Well, hello there. It's Pastor Rick with the Voice in the Distance Ministries. Good to be back with you, venturing continually through the book of James, chapter 4. And so what I'm going to do today, because considering it's not a very big chapter, I'm going to go ahead and cover the whole chapter, uh, 17 verses. You know, and again, I've been cutting them in half in some cases because there's been some... Uh, you know, kind of choppy areas to where I felt the need to basically go ahead and to, um, to continue to go ahead and to, uh, carry on in two different sections. Because in each chapter, it's basically gone on from one half of it could be, could be dealing with quite a bit of different content. And in this case, he kind of, it looks to me on this particular page, it was very transitional to where it, to where it all just meshed together. And I don't feel the need to do that. I feel like I could cover everything in one chapter, in one, in one study. And so a lot of times we want to uh, take little scriptures and we want to make uh, topicalized sermons out of them. But I don't really feel the need to do that. I don't, don't feel the need to do that because it's, it's really, uh, it's going, it's going to speak for itself, all in one chapter. And, and so we're going to be looking at some very important things. The book of James, again, was the book of practicality, speaking to established Christians who basically have been in the church for a while. Now, we have to keep in mind that when one of the apostles or, one of the, or whoever wrote to a particular church, there was a reason for it, possibly the reason of, uh, of a downfall. Maybe, maybe there were some cases, very few cases, where, the, where it was meant for praise. But I, I think there was only maybe one letter that was in regards to that, that didn't have anything to re, uh, that had to do with some sort of exhorting to an extent. Now, in this case, it looks to me like there must have been some, uh, some serious issues going on in the Church of Jerusalem, considering that James was the founding pastor of the Church of Jerusalem, who's the author of this epistle. So... He asks a very important question here in verse 1 through 3. He says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You mur- murder and covet and, do not, and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. You know, it's funny, when I read that, where he asked the question, you know, where do fights and quarrels come from among you? I've always had the mindset that James has come to such a high spiritual point in his life to where he no longer understands why people do that. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You know, when you ask somebody why were they attacked, why, why were they bashed, why, were, why did they do what they did, somebody has a reason for it. Well, what James is saying is there is no reason for it, especially that in the heavenly kingdom. And so he asked the question in, in a righteous manner. Where do they come from? Because there's no good reason for it. And he, but he gives them the answer. I know what the answer is. It's because of your desires and your pleasures that were in your members. And so, when we look at ourselves, can we, can we say the same thing? Like, you know what, it's absolutely right when we look at ourselves. That's exactly where it comes from. Because the, the, this conflict amongst the believers it, it is prevalent today. When, when we want something bad enough, 
And, and when we want to f- uh, fulfill these desires, we fight in order to, d- to get it. We will, we will walk all over somebody if need be to cut throats or whatever the case may be, especially if money's involved. But, you know, he, he says something here. You know, you murder and you covet. And what's interesting is, is I remembered the late Billy Graham. I remembered him saying that there's three things in the church that are a major downfall that you want to keep your hands off of. You want to keep your hands off the money. You want to keep your hands off the woman, the women. And then most importantly, you want to keep your hands off the glory. There is a, a, a Christian, he's an apologist, a Christian apologist, who, um, who basically is a defender of the word of God. And he is a retired, um, he is a retired uh, forensic, I believe, officer from, uh, from Los Angeles, or cold case officer. And in fact, what's interesting is he's never lost a cold case. He was that good. And there was three things that he said that were always the cause of a murder. And those three things were normally involved with money, they were involved with something sexual, or it was involved with something of power. It was always those three things that caused a a particular reason for a murder. But James is saying, what causes that in you? You know, you do not ask, you, you know, or you ask amiss. See, God says that if you ask in my name, that you will get but we have to remember we can't snow God because we cannot just ask for certain thing that's not in his will. Now, many would hear this and not like this. Many would hear this and not agree with it. Maybe they were given certain things that, that, uh, you know, that they asked for, maybe in the form of wealth. Well, there's a reason why God gave it to them is because God knows they can handle it. But there's the dangers in it as well of what it could do to you. And so... With great prayer comes great power. And and, and asking for the right things, which is kind of like something that King Solomon did when he was was, uh, uh, made king over over Israel. God asked him, what can I give you? And he just says, God, I just want the, the wisdom to be able to lead your people. And he said, because you didn't ask for riches, because you didn't ask for all these other things, I'm going to grant you that, and I'm going to grant you that, and then some. Solomon was not just the wisest king that ever lived. He was the richest king to this day in history. So King Solomon didn't ask amiss. King Solomon asked within a true heart, and God seen the true heart. He could have said somewhere in, in the midst of the people, God, uh, you know, give me wisdom, God, give me this. No, but he asked of these things in private. And he asked God for those things in private. You ask amiss. But then, but then he says again in verses 4 to 5, and, he, and then he hits them hard, you adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. And so to call somebody an adulterer or an adulteress is a pretty heavy case, a pretty heavy word here. See, whether you're man or woman, you you are a bride of Christ. And to seek after those things of the world is, is a form of spiritual adultery. 
When you're in a covenant with someone, when you're in a form of a covenant or a marriage with somebody, your dedication is to them. And and when you are basically going after something or someone else, that is a form of adultery. It could be it could be emotional. It doesn't have to be physical, nonetheless. Adultery can can be in the form of of, of um, emotional or other other aspects. See, God says that He was a jealous God, and He has good reason to be. Because people were going after things that didn't exist. People were going after things of vile evil. Why? He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God, he says. And, and, and that is basically hostility towards God. Especially when God says that in the first of his ten commandments, you shall have no other gods before you. And, and so, we want to take that serious because, you know... If we love something or if we love someone more than God, then that means he's got competition. God doesn't lose competitions. God doesn't lose battles. That's a fire that, that no one should be ever wanting to play with. And so we, we need to keep in mind the, the dangers. You know, there is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with wanting a good life. God gives us all of that. You know, but, but when we start looking after those things and lusting after those things, then, then the evil desires can come into our minds and hearts and takes away our humility. Pride is one of the biggest self-centered issues that leads us, to, that leads us into that dark road. And so this verse may mean, may mean that because of our, our fallen nature, if you will. You know, this this tendency to envy, we all do it whether we want to admit it or not. We all envy something. We all wish uh, we had something. But, you know, James is really pointing us into the right direction. Again, it's in that aspect of seeking first the kingdom of God. And that, that's something our Lord and Savior said. For, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will follow. You know, we seek after so many things in life. Relationships, money, careers, power, prestige, titles, whatever it might be. I I just really have learned a lot over the years from experience that all of those things are taken from people very quickly. And when they do, it messes with them pretty badly. It's never something that, that... it seemed to really do good. It maybe it seemed like it for a time. But it never really works out in the long run. But God is good. Let me show you why in verse 6 to 10. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, he keeps saying, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the, light, in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. You know, reading that, you, people are probably pretty confused. Like, he's telling us to, to cry and to, to weep? I was just like, yeah, you know, you, you should when you feel bad. <laughs> 
you know, if you have a conscience and, and, and when you realize that you've done wrong, yeah, maybe that's something we should do. If we don't, then there's really something wrong with us internally. You know, yes, God and the devil are at war. You know, and the thing is, is that the devil's going to lose and he knows it. But he's going to want to take as many people down as possible. And so that, that is the fight. That is, that is the fight. And I think, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Charles Spurgeon who, who said, uh, if I'm not mistaken, something about that a, um, the devil can always wrestle with a Christian, but, but he can't pin him. When the Lord is in you, you, you can't be pinned. You can be wrestled with, but you can't be pinned. For, because he that is in you is greater than he is in the world. And that being that enemy is the devil himself. Resisting the proud. You know, God gives grace to the humble. And, and that's something that, that we need to remember. That who, who was more humble than that of our Lord and Savior? He came down here to, as the ultimate example, the ultimate role model. And he will resist the proud because Satan is the author of pride. And so, how can we come near to God? Well, he gave us the examples. You know, you submit to God. We, we yield to his authority, right? Committing our lives to him. Letting him control us. Resisting the devil is a big thing. You know, don't allow Satan to entice you or tempt you. And then he says to wash your hands and, and purify your hearts. Right? That, and that is in the forms of leading to a pure life. Be cleansed from sin. Re replacing your, your desires to sin with your desire, you know, to experience God instead. Grieve and mourn and wait. You know, with sincere, with sincerity. Be truly sorry for what you've done. There's a lot of false repentance out there. There's a lot of false minds out there that, that you know, they, they have this mindset of like, well, I can, I can just go ahead and do what i got to do and I'll, I'll repent later. God will forgive me. You, you can't snow God that way, you know. Humbling ourselves means reconciling that uh, with, with God. You know, it, it involves working with his power according to his guidance. You know, he reaches out to us in love and gives us worth and, and dignity. You know, despite of our shortcomings, he still gives us those things. You know, grace, G-R-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Unmerited favor in the Greek. But we have to resist. You can. You've resisted things that before. You've resisted certain things. There's, if there's something you didn't want, if there's something that, that, that you weren't attracted to, you were able to turn and walk. Well, why can't you do that from the things of evil? Don't let the things of evil be attractive. Because they are, let's be honest, some things can be very attractive. But you have the ability to resist. Cleansing your hands. You know, the, the, there's, there's, there's either blood on your hands or dirt. <laughs> you know, you, when you got dirt on your hands, it's because you're tilling the soil, amen? 
But when you got blood on your hands, it's probably because you murdered somebody. If you're going to have blood on your hands, do it to stop the bleeding. Don't be the cause of the blood, the blood's exiting. Humble yourselves, but cleanse your hands, cleanse your minds, your heart. You know, I heard a saying once that, that the longest journey, the longest journey that someone ever takes in their life is only 18 inches. You're thinking, what is that? Well, that, that 18 inches is the distance from your head to your heart. And, and that distance, that 18 inch distance is what causes us to love it causes us to follow or it causes us to, to, to either murder, hate, or do wrong. What are you going to do with that 18 inches of distance that you've been given to work with? God loves humility. And if he blesses, with you, if he blesses you with extreme riches, you better stay humble because they could be gone tomorrow. You know, it's sad because there's a lot of people out there that, that when they obtain a lot of money, they lose a lot of sleep because they wonder how they're going to keep it. So cleanse your hands. Cleanse your minds. Don't be double-minded. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't straddle on a fence for, for the rest of your life. It's a very uncomfortable place. But drawing near to God is a win-win. The drawing near to God allows you to do all things. And, and drawing near to God, more than anything, will save you. And, and so let us keep that in mind, amen. Let us keep in mind that, that He is wanting us to draw near because He's going to draw near to us. Wouldn't we want that? So as you draw near to God... Here's what you should not also do at times that, you know, and, and this is something I think that people were probably doing. James and, and the other authors, the other apostles, didn't just write things for the sake of writing them. There was an issue. And in 11 and 12, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. Who, who, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy who are you to judge another? You know, and when I look at the, the term of judging, because somebody's going to say, well, wait a minute, didn't Jesus say, you know, to, to, to judge one another, even though he said, you know, do not, you know, pull the, don't try to pull the, uh, the speck out of your brother's eye or the sliver out of your brother's eye when you had a plank sticking in yours. What the call here is, is that a lot of people tend to judge people falsely there's a difference between calling somebody out on something they did blatantly and just accusing somebody of it because you think they're that sort big difference there's a big difference and so he who speaks of evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and the land we are called basically to, to we are called to um, to call things out, but not falsely. You know, we, we all want grace and mercy. <laughs> Even the ones who do the majority of the judging wants the grace and mercy. 
And so we must, we must take advantage of that grace and mercy. And allow the heavenly culture that Christ has brought down, that, that James and Paul and Peter and John and all the other authors have brought into our hands and into our attention. You know, we, we have to be, uh, be righteous in the form of judging. I mean, if, if, if you saw somebody walk up and hit somebody over the head for no good reason, and, and then you say to them, you hit them over the head, and the person says, don't judge me, brother. A lot of people have mistaken the contents. I'm not judging you, I'm calling out the fact that you hit somebody over the head. <laughs> now, if there was a form of self-defense that nobody saw, that's a different story. But speaking evil of someone, you know, that's very common. That is so common. Never left. Who are you to judge one another, he says. Thank God for heaven because, you know, again, that won't exist up there. He's writing to the here and now. He was writing to, the, to those 2,000 years ago. But he's writing to the here and now as well because nothing's changed. Humility. Peter said it. Be you know that, that God gives grace to the humble, you know, but opposes the proud. Peter said the same exact thing to a whole different area of people in another in another place. The, the commandment is universal. The commandment is universal. I don't care who you are. Most people really have more respect for those who are humble than those who are arrogant. There's a, there's a select few who love arrogance. There are a select few who respect arrogance. It's because they're arrogant themselves. And, and, and God is not a respecter of men, and he surely isn't a respecter of arrogant men when he says that he opposes them. we 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 got a long way to go in, in our society. You know, and so check this out in verse 13 to 16. But he says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance all such boasting is evil. You know, I got some important people in my life, very godly men and women, you know, older men and women that I've learned from and respect and love dearly. And there's a dear woman that, that I've been a part of for some years, and uh, she's, um, she's a widow that came into my church uh, that I was a pastor in over the years. And I always referred to her as Mama. And uh, she's 82 years old right now as we speak. And uh, as, as this is in um, September of 2021. And she always says, I check on her almost daily. I talk with her. And I said, all right, Mama, I'll, I'll call you tomorrow. And she says, if the Lord says so. <laughs> and she's not the only one that's ever said that. Because she knows that, that, that all things are in God's will. That not, not even a bird falls from the sky without his say or knowledge is what Christ Jesus said himself. And, and so, if, if the Lord wills it, that's what it comes down to. See, God's will is like rushing water. It goes through streams and mountains, rivers, oceans, waterfalls, 
floods. No one can stop that rushing water. But you see, it always ends up where it's supposed to be. And, and that's what God's will is. It always ends up where it's supposed to be. Instead, you ought to say, and that's a good, it's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to, for, for us to be, to be aware of what we ought to say. God, Christ taught us how to pray. James is reminding us of what we ought to say to, to refrain from, from being arrogant, to, be, to refrain from being wrong. Without boasting, without, without trying to make our own wills. Yes, we have choices. Yes, we have free choice. But you want to make sure that, that you're walking in the path. You know, when you drive down a road, you don't go and make your own path somewhere. You're going to kill yourself. The road's been paved. The, the directions and the plans have been made. Somebody has test driven the roads for you, which, why, which is why particular speed limits are on there. You're not going to cut through the middle of somewhere to make your own path because you don't like the road that was already paved. People think they can in regards to the word of God. But God God says it doesn't work that way. And James, I think, was a, was a great reminder and teacher of such things, this, this great man of faith. In verse 17, he says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and, and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's easier to think about it, right, and talk about the humility. But but being it and doing it, that's a whole other story. The actions speaking louder than words. We we tend to think about that doing wrong is sin, but James tells us that sin is also not doing right, <laughs> if that makes sense, right? I mean, not doing it's just not doing right under God's eyes. It's a, it's a sin to avoid God, especially when, when, when you claim to walk with him. Samuel, the prophet, in the book of Samuel, when he wrote the book of Samuel, flat out said that I will not sin against you by not praying. And so Samuel made that known some time before, way before this was ever written. You know, if God has directed you to a kind of act, right, to, to a service or, or to restore something, whether it be a relationship or whatever, you will experience a renewed and refreshed part of your life. You will res- renew a, a part of your faith. I was at a funeral yesterday that I had to go and do a reading for. And they had a they had a viewing in the sanctuary of of the body of the brother that that of um, of who we were doing the funeral service for. And I, I've done enough funerals and I've been to enough funerals to to last me for for the rest of my life. But every so often I get thrown into more. But each one gives a perspective. There was there was strife, there was envy, there was there was issues in the life of this man who passed, and, but but it seemed to have gone away within time. It seems as if God gave him a chance before he passed to make things right, and I think that is a precious gift to be able to make things right with those around you, your friends, your family, those that you have wronged, or maybe they have wronged you. 
There is such a weight to be lifted off the shoulders of those who have suffered from, from all of those things. Life is short, but it's precious. And every time I either attend or I, or I officiate a funeral service, it has to wake me up from time to time. We live too much on a daily basis. Of the here and now and, and what we're so used to. Put yourselves in the light of God. This is a plead. Because the world needs it. The world has been in such a dark place. And, and more light bearers are needed. You could be a light bearer for your family, for your community. But you can't do it alone. Well, I'm a good person, people will say. Yeah, I'm sure you are. But that's not enough. Something has to be in you in order for the light to shine outward. And the brightest light that could ever do such a thing is that of our Lord and Savior. Maybe your life is in shambles. Maybe your family is in shambles. Whatever the case, maybe your life might seem perfect. You have no issues. Things are great. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm financially off. I don't need God. Oh, yes, you do more than ever. Just means that you're going to die with all your stuff behind. Leaving it for people to fight over, for the government to take, or the state. You can obtain riches that will never go away. But more than anything, you could obtain eternal life, salvation, a place in heaven, a, lo- a legacy here on earth that will mean something that will go with you in eternity, that will never be forgotten. Your opportunity is now if you're willing to take it. How do you do that? Well, let's together say a little prayer of receiving the Lord, asking him to come into your life, just like the thief did on the cross next to him. Jesus was hung up there with two other thieves, and one of them recognized who he was and and what the thief was up there. He says, we deserve to be up here, but he doesn't. Father, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, assuredly, you will be with me today in paradise. You have that same assurance, my friends. If you are willing to receive him in truth. I want you to say this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you that I am a sinner. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. Thank you for washing my sins away. Lord, I receive you now as my Lord. I receive you as my Father. I receive you as my Savior. Come into my heart right now, Father, as I receive you, Lord. May you receive me as your child. May we walk together all the days of my life. And may you receive me when my time comes. And more than anything, Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I praise you. In having me in your kingdom, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Well, as they say, short and sweet, right? <laughs> the book of James is that, short and sweet, and then some, but powerful. And I got to tell you, you know, the, the word of God is the gift that kind of keeps on giving, doesn't it? So the gift that really keeps on giving, too, is, is your salvation and your relationship with the Lord. That, that he who is in you is what gives. So remember that. So may you walk diligently. May you walk godly. May you walk humbly. <laughs> walk humble with him. Be that example. For God is good all the time. Give thanks to him. And may you watch, may you watch your family grow as well. My love to you, and I pray for you always. And I congratulate you if you've said that prayer. May God bless you.